0: All right, I, uh, we are in a series that's titled Bruised Camels. Bruised Camels, where does that come from? This, uh, this is week three of a three-week series, and it comes from a passage in the Gospels where Jesus said, it's harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle it's hard it's harder and a camel going through the eye of a needle it's it's not what what some people you know Well, oh, I heard I heard that there's some little city gate in Jerusalem that's small and you take all the camel's stuff off of them and the camel has to humble himself and get on his knees and and skimmy through that gate that that's heresy that's not true Uh, It's actually just use of hyperbole, overstatement. Jesus is making a point, and he's he's embracing this use of the language of hyperbole, which is to kind of emphasize and overstate something to get your attention. How hard it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Does that trouble you? That should trouble all of us. That should trouble all of us. That's why we called it bruised camels. It's harder, man. We're going to get through that eye of a needle. We're going to get bruised because all of us, if you live in Santa Barbara, you live in this area, we are part of the top 10% in this world of rich, of wealthy, even though you might not feel wealthy. And um, remember what Mark Twain said, the great theologian Mark Twain. I love this quote. It's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand, that trouble me. It's the things I do understand. And that just fits so perfectly with this passage and this series that we've called Bruised Camels because Jesus said it twice in the Gospel. It's harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom than it is for a camel to go through the eye of an needle. When he says something twice, that should get our attention. We should pay attention. And so this morning, we are here in week three. If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to open it to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. I'm actually holding on to a new international version today, but we're going to read it this morning on the screen. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, and uh, I'm going to stand over here to read it for us. These are the words of Jesus. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities where am I? Ah, he then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, Their master returned from his trip. He called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more, and he said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward, and he said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. And the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with the one bag of silver came and he said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, Take the money from this servant. Give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away, and now throw this useless servant into outer darkness. That last line is troublesome, isn't it? It's like, oh, no. So what do we do with this teaching What do we do with this teaching of Jesus? Parables. Jesus was a master storyteller, using stories to point out deep spiritual truth. And this morning, we're going to look at just a few reflections. If you have your little notes, that connection card, we have a little outline there for you. Four little reflections from Matthew 25. Four truths that we see this morning from this passage Number one is that we're all stewards, not owners. We are all stewards. That's what Jesus is saying that you and I were stewards, we're managers of God's resources and money. We're not owners of it. We have been given abilities, we've been given time, we've been given treasure and money. Everything that we have has been entrusted to us by God. And so the question is, do you see yourself as a steward, as a manager of God's resources, or do you see yourself as an owner? All this is mine. It's mine, mine, mine to do with it what I want, to spend it on myself, to make me feel better about myself, or my kids to feel better about myself, or themselves. A steward sees themselves as responsible to make sure that the master's money is invested in and going to the places that he wants it to go, right? To make its best and biggest impact. But an owner believes that their possessions, they're my own to spend on myself, on whatever I want. And that's the difference between a steward and an owner. It's a mindset. It's an attitude. And I wonder this morning if some of us need to make that shift. Maybe most of our Christian faith, our life, our tradition, we just think it's ours, and we, we we just give God a tip. I'll volunteer once a year, serve the city. Okay, I can do that. I can. I, I have a family member who, when he comes to church, he lives out of town. I won't say who he is, but um, he's he he comes in. He's not a believer, but he he told me once, "Hey, I went big for the church. I threw a ten I threw a ten dollar bill in there for you. I hope you appreciate it. You know." And and I think sometimes we have this mindset that we're, we're doing God a favor by giving him a little because we think we're the owners. But Jesus says, no, that's not true. The truth of God's word is saying all that we have, our money, our stuff, our savings, our skills, our abilities, our relationships, our very lives belong to God. He's given us this one life to live. As Mary Oliver, the poet, says, and what are we going to do with that one life that we've been given to live? We're stewards, not owners. Second truth, we are all given talents. But did you notice in the story, but not the same amount. We're all given talents. Verse 15, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Everyone gets something. Nobody gets nothing, but not everyone gets the same amount. That's what Jesus is saying. And I don't know about you, but it's easy to compare and then complain about those who have been given a little bit more. You ever do that? You ever compare and then complain There's a pastor that uh, many of us heard at a conference a couple weeks ago, Robert Madu, and he gave this talk, and one of his big points was stay in your lane, and here's what he meant by that. He said, how often when we're driving, we're looking at other people that get ahead of us. When you're in traffic, you ever drive down to LA and it's just like traffic, but there's somebody that's like cutting in and out, in and out, and they get ahead of you? And then you're like, I'm getting ahead of them. (laughs) And his whole point was, you know what happens when you are driving and you don't stay in your lane, you're trying to get ahead because you're comparing yourself to others who are getting ahead of you. It increases the odds for you to have an accident, for you to crash, for you to have a wreck. And his point was, in the same way it's true in life, when we compare ourselves our gifts, our income, our net worth, our abilities, we are increasing the odds for us to experience a spiritual wreck, a relational wreck, an emotional wreck in our lives. So when we compare, they're more talented. They have more money. They live there. I don't have what they have. That gets me in trouble. That's poison to your spirit and mine. And so the question is, are you willing to stay in your lane? To be grateful for what you've been given rather than an ingrate, complaining, comparing. It'll poison your spirit. Here's the third reflection. We're going to be held accountable. All of us will be held accountable for what we have done with what we have been given. Did you notice that in the story? One day, God's gonna do an audit on your life and on my life, and he's gonna ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do, John, what did you do with what I gave you, with those relationships I gave you, with the personality that I gave you, with those talents and skills and abilities, the capacity to do what I gave you to do, and then the money and the resources, and the family that you were born into, and the money that you inherited, dot, 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 dot. There's going to be an audit. We're going to be held accountable. And notice that the third servant, the one that was given the one talent, Jesus called him lazy servant. Why? Because he hid his talent. He buried it. He lived in fear, not fear of God, but fear lived in fear of his master in that sense. So in a way, he was living in fear of God, but not a healthy fear. And we'll get to that here in just a second. He lived passive. He lived life on the sidelines. We can't please God by playing it safe, by hoarding what we have, keeping it to ourselves. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, it's impossible to please God without what? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, faith is trusting what God says and then living it out. Faith hears God's word and then puts it into practice. And what Jesus is teaching here is with what he's given us, he wants us to invest it in his work. He wants us to live this way, not this way. So the question is, how are you living? How are you living by faith with the resources that God has given you? All right, fourth reflection, the last reflection. And this is really an important one. We all have a view of God, and it impacts what we do with what we've been given. Now, let's look again at the difference between these three stewards or three servants. Besides the fact that they were all entrusted with things. Notice that the one with the fewest talents saw, viewed the master differently than the other two. Did you notice that? The third servant viewed the master as, do you remember the word? Harsh. Harsh. That jumped out at me. I had to say, why why would he view the, the, the master as harsh? Well, the text doesn't tell us. We're not told why some people, or why in this case, the third one did. But isn't it true in life that there are some people that view God as caring and kind, as generous and gracious and merciful, and others view God as uncaring, demanding, hard, wrath, angry. And I just wonder why, in this case, why did the third servant, the one that was given one talent, why did he view the master as harsh? We're not told. Why do people view God that way? Maybe, maybe it's because of the way we're raised. Some of you in here, you view God as harsh, as hard, as condemning, as judgmental. You're, you are afraid of him, and that's why you're holding him at a distance. You're not giving him your life, your resources. How we view God impacts the way we live our life. Impacts the way we respond to God's word. How we view God impacts the way we respond to each other. How we respond at work. How we either see our life as, man, I'm on mission on Mondays. Mondays make a difference. Or if I'm just checking the box on Sunday, I kind of do my church thing, but then I live my life a different way Monday through Saturday. How we view God makes all the difference. It was A.W. Tozer who said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Because how we think about God impacts how we live our lives, hopefully. Well, it does. However you think about God, that's going to impact you. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you ever feel like you've been given one talent? And the people around you have been given five? It goes back to that comparing thing again. That impacts the way we see God. Again, back to this comparing thing. I'm a one-talent guy. We were just on a staff retreat uh, in San Diego, I wrote about it in the e-news. It's just so easy to be around talented people and feel intimidated. You ever feel that way? I'm sitting here and I'm the old guy on staff, and I'm looking at this this young our team right now. It's like the dream team for me to get to serve on it. But it can also, believe it or not, it can be intimidating. These folks are passionate about Jesus. They're fun. They've got energy. Their, their willingness to sacrifice, to be all in. And sometimes I go like, gosh, Lord, I, I'm the one-talent guy. And, and, and you've put a bunch of five-talent people on my staff, which can be a good thing when I'm on my best days. But on my worst days, you can begin to self-doubt, right? You start talking to yourself and start telling, maybe, maybe the game's passed me by. Maybe, maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe, right? And I just wondered this morning if there are some of you here that feel more like a one-talent person. Might be financially. Ah, oh, I live in Santa Barbara, but, you know, I don't have to kind of apply this story because the reality is all the rich people are going to support God's work. God doesn't need me to do that. See, God doesn't need your money, but you need to practice living this way because we're most like him. If you're a follower of Jesus, followers of Jesus follow who? And Jesus lived sacrificially. Jesus gave his life. He gave it all. It's not about the amount you give. It's about the open-handedness, the generosity, the sacrifice, the joy, the cheerfulness. We say this in this church all the time. If you feel guilted or obligated to give, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. God wants to do a work in my life so that I give joyfully. I'm excited. I'm eager. I get to do this, not, oh, I have to do this. Church is begging me for my money. That, that's, that's part of your discipleship, actually, is to move from that place of resistance, withholding, From God to saying, I'm in. I want to be part of what God's doing in this world. I want to partner with the local church, which I believe is God's best strategy to heal the world and to reach people for Christ. I want to be part of that. And so this morning, I'm going to stop. We actually have, if you read verses 21 and 23 in this story, uh, there's three promises or three rewards. It's appreciation. He says, well done. God appreciates those who are faithful. Number two, he prom- there's promotion. He says, I'm going to give you more responsibility because you've been faithful with the little things. I'll trust you with more. I heard a pastor once say, I don't want to be changing dirty diapers in heaven. He said, I want to be given more responsibility than that. So I'm going to be faithful in what God's entrusted to me. I've never forgot that. And number three is celebration. He says, let's celebrate together. The happiest people on earth are those who are using what they've been given to bless others and to impact the work of God in the world. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to sing a song. Take a moment and just quiet your heart. Maybe close your eyes. This is the moment in the In in this gathering, that you get to respond. How is the Spirit of God whispering into your heart, into your soul, right here, right now? What's the response He wants? It might be that shift from owner to steward or manager, it might be to stop comparing yourself to others. Maybe you've grown resentment and bitter. God wants to set you free. Those chains that are holding you down with resentment, he wants to set you free. I don't know how you're living. Maybe, maybe it's, it, it's the fact that you're living in fear, that you don't have enough. you are only a, got one talent. But isn't it interesting that Jesus, in a sense, picks on the one talent person? Because it's easy to be a hoarder when you feel like you only have one talent. But today maybe is the day that God sets you free and lights up your faith that you begin to live and give generously. And so we invite the Spirit of God to do the work of God in us and through us right here, right now, Lord. I pray that you would touch hearts that are open to you, people that are saying a bigger yes to you in the room right now, that they want to get their resources, their finances, their time, and their talents, they want to get them aligned with your purpose for their life. I pray right in this room, right all over this room, that you do that work right here and right now, Lord, that you'd seal the commitments that people make, people that are saying yes to you in this area, that they want to they want to walk with you and they want to honor you. Lord, would you honor each person that is saying a big yes to you in this area of their life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Before you re enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills Podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on oceanhills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.